Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, it was a happy homecoming for the Cougars and their fans. Fire for the end zone and a catch for the score. Touchdown! What a grab! As BYU goes to 6-0 for the first time in 12 years, and we're talking it up with Kalani and tight end Isaac Rex next. This is BYU Football with Kalani Satake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another edition of the Satake Show, featuring BYU's head coach in a jam-packed hour of Cougar football content. Glad you're with us, and we hope you enjoy tonight's show. And as always, we invite fans to be a part of this show by submitting questions for Kalani on Twitter using the hashtag Sitake Show. You can do the same on the BYU TV Sports Facebook and Instagram accounts. Coming up on tonight's show, we will recap BYU's latest victory, a triumph over Texas State. We'll go into the film room with Isaiah Kafusi. We'll look ahead to Saturday's showdown with Western Kentucky. Our Cougar Q&A is a treat as we... Mask up in a different way. Deep Blue profiles defensive back D'Angelo Mandel. And our player guest this week is tight end Isaac Rex, who scored twice in BYU's weekend win. And to begin the show, we say hello to BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. Good to see you again, coach. What's up, Greg? A little bundled up today compared to previous <laughs> shows. Explain this. It was a little cold at practice <laughs> today. So, yeah, we were outside and uh, yeah, winter has, has arrived. It has. And while you were uh, just after practice wrapped up, uh, Zach had to go. Zach Wilson had to go be on an ESPN interview. He was part of their uh, college football playoff uh, top twenty-five show here in the last hour. Did a great job. Yeah, I think he represents our team really well, and and I think he. I mean, I didn't get to see it, but I, I know he showed appreciation to uh, you know what we have as a unit and, and a family on our on our team. So looking forward to seeing it, and, and I know he represented well. And so good to have BYU part of a really robust national conversation right now about college football, and good to be six and zero for you guys as well. Yeah, I mean, really excited about the, the getting, getting the win over the weekend and uh, being able to see our fans in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But uh, obviously there's some things we still need to fix. And as, you know, as a coach, that's what I want to work on, uh, make sure that we can improve in, in this game against Western Kentucky. So uh, looking forward to you know, practice and the week of preparation. And uh, if any, you know, looking at, at the, the game Saturday, I think uh, we had a great practice today. And if we continue that, I, I feel good about our chances. Let's look back at BYU's most recent win. Game highlights are presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. It was BYU and Texas State for a first time ever. And yes, the fans were in the stands, 6,000-plus strong at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for BYU and Texas State. And they got the ball first, Kalani, and put it in the end zone. Yeah, rough start. I, th- I thought, you know, that was a third and long, and they made a play, and uh, they did some some unique things and, and uh, gave us some time, our offense did, to make some adjustments and uh, you know, was able to sustain a drive and, and get the score back, back to tie. Punishing run by Peeney. And then, always good to see guys get their first career touchdowns for BYU, and that was Keanu Hill. Yeah, Keanu Hill's got tons of ability, and he's big, as you can see, and uh, runs great routes. And so looking forward to seeing him make more plays and more touchdowns. So first touchdown for Keanu, first catch for Hank Tuipolotu. Great to see Hank back on the field, and he's got great ball skills and uh, looking forward to seeing him make plays as well. A little reverse throwback to the QB, and Zach Wilson makes the grab. Sets you guys up for Tyler Algier. Yeah, great run, good blocks. I mean, that's uh, looking at all the drives. Uh, I love the way our offense is able to put points on the board, and 
um, you know, from so many different angles, there's so many different receivers that can catch the ball. Including Isaac Rex. Haven't had this be a problem at all, really, this year. Yeah, that was difficult, but sudden change, you know, and challenged our, our defense. Our defense uh, answered the call again, and we were able to, st- you know, get a goal line stand there and not have any points. It was a nice pass breakup by Keenan Ellis, ending the Texas State threat. And then right before halftime, this throw caught a lot of people's attention. Kalani. Strong arm, and he, you know, uh, accurate pass to Dax. That's not a lot of people can make that throw. And Zach can make seemingly every throw. He only had one series in the second half, and this is how that series ended. Yeah, I mean, this is a great catch, <laughs> a great recovery by Isaac here. You know, I think the ball was a little bit underthrown, but uh, Zach's not perfect. But, you know, we were able to get this. This is the reason why Zach probably didn't get another series, and, and that's because Isaiah was able to put the ball in the end zone and get us some points on defense. And make it 49-7. to And Isaiah had told some folks that he, was, he felt he was going to get into the end zone that night. Yeah, he, he studied it. And, I mean, he, he's been waiting for this for a long time, played a lot of football, and it was good to see him get that. And hopefully he can get some more. The guy that scored their first touchdown scored their second and final touchdown, Marcel Barbie. And then Jake Oldroyd stays perfect on the year. BYU up 52-14 to at that point. And then Jared Capisi gets his first career pick. Yeah, good to see our guys get some valuable reps and get some game time, and I think that's going to go really well for our development of our team. All right, so BYU wins it big, and, and you see those tallies in the right-hand column. When you rush for 200-plus and pass for 300-plus, you're, you're going to win pretty much every game you play that way, and BYU is productive in every facet once again. Yeah, and just really pleased with, with all three phases. Uh, the coaches did a great job preparing our players, and the players executed the game plan uh, effectively and were efficient in so many ways. And we saw a lot of guys get valuable reps and uh, a lot of guys play, get their first catches, get their first uh, time on the field. And, and, you know, it's it's good to get those guys on the field and, and see how they can, all their hard work pays off. And then to get some real-time reps, is, is, it's valuable for us. 16 different players were targeted with passes Saturday night and 14 of them actually caught passes, including the quarterback. Yeah, next time we can just try to connect with, with uh, all 16 of them. But I think we have uh, great talent and, and guys that can run the ball, that can obviously throw and catch. And so, um, you know, the more we can develop them and get them opportunities, the, the more dangerous we can be as a, as a unit, especially putting points on the scoreboard as an offense. The focus was really there from the start. Uh, first four drives were four touchdowns. You end up with six touchdowns in your first, off, six, first seven offensive possessions. Penalty number came down. A lot of things showed that you guys uh, were sharp against the Texas State. Yeah, I played. I mean, I thought discipline-wise, we were we were a lot more disciplined than before, and, and and using our feet and being being in in position to make blocks instead of having to reach and and on defense coming to balance more and securing tackles instead of reaching for those. And uh, that just comes down to the fundamentals of the game, and and we keep improving on it, and we keep doing that week to week. Uh, with everybody buying in. And you saw our cover teams on, on kickoff and punt be able to cover really well. So I think it's starting to come together really really nicely as a, as a, group, as a group. But uh, it's a great team win. And uh, if we can keep playing team football, uh, I think we should do really well. Let's uh, briefly get back into the playback machine uh, for a closer look at uh, one of the standout plays from Saturday. And we call it Cougar close-up, and we're going to take a look once again at that uh, tremendous throw right before halftime from Zach Wilson to Dax Milne for a touchdown. And uh, the throw was longer than the yardage, uh, the yardage awarded to it because of the, uh, the angle of this throw, and he's going from, from numbers to numbers here, Kalani. That's a long distance. 
Yeah, and I think you see the 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 poise that that Zach has, and and he's got a lot of space where he probably could have ran. I think he he trusts his uh you know in our scramble drill, and when things aren't well aren't aren't timed out right, he he can create with his feet, and I think he knew he, with his arm he can get hit all different parts of the field, and Dax knew it too, and that they have this great connection, so it worked out well. And maybe not a throw he could have made last year with his arm strength the way it was. Yeah, and that's what we've talked about him being healthy. That's what what he can do when when he's completely healthy and uh, when his legs are feeling great. I mean, you know, when the thumbs were working, uh, <laughs> you know, when he's 100%, he can, he can do some really amazing things. And uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, what uh, he's he's got a lot of different ways to throw the ball. And, uh, all I care is, is that it gets there on target and that the guys make the play. So BYU's offense has been on target uh, uh, frequently in uh, in 2020, and the defense is doing a great job as well. BYU did create uh, two turnovers Saturday night. For an in-depth look at the first pick, we visit with Isaiah Kafusi and Jerem Jordan inside the film room. Isaiah, you called your shot. I have massive respect for that. It's one thing to have a pick six. It's another to say you're going to have one. Catch me in the end zone tonight. When did you know, hey, I'm going to do this tonight? Just throughout the week, I've just seen a lot of uh, opportunities. I told Keanu, I said, I'm going to get in the end zone tonight. And he's like, all right, like me too. Like, I'll get in. And, and so that was a fun moment for both of us. And yeah, I, I just felt, you know, felt good, went out there and uh, was able to make a play. So when you catch that ball, now, now you got to house it, right? Walk me through <laughs> what you were thinking once you got the ball. Uh, I was just determined to get in the end zone. We practiced the interception drill. Look at all those guys blocking for me. I mean, the, the five-yard line, there's those two offensive linemen, and I was like, I'm getting in no matter what. So credit to my teammates for helping me out. Let's talk about how it compares to a couple of other notable pick sixes the last couple of years. So Kai Nakua, 2015, Fred Warner, 2016, mm-hmm. both against Boise State, and now you on that same part of the field. How would you compare yours to theirs? Oh, man, I don't know. Those are those are just two legends. Kai, you know, the ball hawk. Same with Freddie. Freddie's, I mean, you know, he's tiptoeing down the sideline. He dives in and extends the ball out to the pylon. That's what I wanted to do, but it didn't work out that way. It looks cool in pictures, but Freddie's, Freddie's is, is up there for sure. Texas State ran a unique alignment initially on the first couple of drives. Three alignment with the tight end set in, and then two alignment flexed out with the receiver. What was that like trying to defend that? Because you were in the slot at one point. You were kind of a cornerback at one point. That was a, a unique look. Yeah, it was. And, and we practiced, you know, kind of these unique looks throughout the week. We're always prepared. Um, the defense that we had, I, I think we needed a, a couple adjustments. And our coaches did a great job of just adjusting to, you know, their unique um, formation. And just needed some time to kind of calm down and just relax and, and keep going. You guys have flown under the radar a little bit. Everyone's talking about the offense. Everyone's talking about Zach. Everything's going well on offense, right? But you guys aren't giving up a lot of points, a lot of yards. Do you like flying under the radar a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we we just are doing our thing. I, I saw a cool stat. You know, of the five turnovers that the offense has had, we've given up zero points. You know, we're, we're, we're about each other. We're, we're fighting for each other. We've got each other's backs no matter what. And then Western Kentucky, Halloween night at home, fans in the stands what do you expect just a great game really love um you know kind of just being able to play with my with my teammates love what we got going on really excited and really looking forward to a fun game what certainly is it's six and oh well good luck this saturday night on halloween isaiah thanks for joining me in the film room yeah thank you appreciate it 
We use the phrase uh, complementary football to talk about how the different phases kind of work well together right now, and it really does. You get the sense of cohesion and chemistry and camaraderie, offense, defense, special teams. It's all working. It is, and, and you know, I think if you ask the defensive guys, especially the coaches, the best defense is an offense that can score. So um, that makes things a lot easier, and, uh, you know, in all three phases, I have to give a lot of credit to those coaches that, that are in charge of those phases and the coordinators with Ed Lamb, Jeff Grimes, and Eli Sotuyaki. They've done a great job leading this group, and uh, as a head coach, I couldn't ask for better, better people to lead their, those groups. Well, BYU's already into the back half of its uh, 2020 schedule. Let's take a look at the slate and how it is shaped up and is shaping up for BYU. Of course, nothing but W's right now on the board, which is great. Uh, Western Kentucky this weekend. Then the game of Boise State, uh, which will be uh, talked about uh, excessively, if not, well, not, not excessively, but to a point where it's going to be the biggest game of the week for a lot of people. But as long as you win this week, it'll be the biggest game for a lot of people. You've got to take care of business. Yeah, I'm not even worried about that. I'll just focus on uh, Western Kentucky and trying to win that game. And I think it's, it's fun for everyone to see the schedule, but our team and our players and our coaches are only focused on one thing, and that's playing this weekend and uh, giving them all of our attention. We have a lot of respect for that program and, and things that they can do. They won nine games last year, you know, and uh, they beat Arkansas. So they, they, they know what it's like to go into a, a big house and play. And uh, I know that we're going to get their best shot. I say this every week, but we got to make sure that they get ours as well. And, and the only way to do that and respect the game is to give them everything we got. With a win, BYU would go to a 7-0. and BYU's 6-0 and start has taken the Cougs from unranked to the top 10 in just a matter of weeks. And the two major polls aren't the only places that BYU is really highly favored. You see the... Uh, the computers like BYU a lot, too, with the BYU in the top 10 in Sagar and the coaches to see they moved BYU up a spot last week. And everywhere you go, BYU is a top 10 or a top 20 team. Good, good place to be for BYU, Kalani and his boys as the uh, wins keep piling up and still a zero in the right-hand column. Well, for your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play, we invite you to watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. That's weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back... A look ahead to Saturday's home game with Western Kentucky, and later it's Deep Blue with D'Angelo Mandel. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. With Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. Always here for you. Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Smith's. Fresh for everyone. And by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. We are back with more BYU football with Kalani Sitake. Here's our game day schedule for Halloween night. Indeed, it is October 31st for BYU and WKU Cougar pregame live. 8.15 on BYU Radio, top of the next hour, 9 o'clock Eastern. Countdown to kickoff on BYU TV. The game itself is on BYU Radio and ESPN and then post-game coverage on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. And after the game, after the BYU TV sports post-game, the game will be rebroadcast on BYU TV. Well, it is Saturday, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, Western Kentucky, for the first time facing BYU, 87th different FBS program to face BYU. The Hilltoppers coming in with a record of 2-4, uh, and four. And uh, Kalani came away with a, uh, a hard-earned, narrow escape against a pretty good FCS team in Chattanooga on the weekend. Yeah, and, you know, Chattanooga played really, really good game. And, and uh, I think, um, 
you know, Western Kentucky's had some some players banged up and and some injuries, and so they, they had to rally around and they were able to get the win. Uh, we know how tough those games can be sometimes, and um, you know, looking at their their schedule, looking at the games that they play, they they play tough football. They run the ball. They do a lot of uh, you know single back power stuff, and and so we're looking forward to the matchup. We feel like we we, we can. Uh, improve and have a lot to improve from from last week and looking forward to getting out to this competition. First time Western Kentucky has ever played a game in the state of Utah. One of the longest trips they've ever taken. Again, located in Bowling Green, Kentucky and coming all the way out uh, to Provo, Utah. So they're called the Hilltoppers. Do you know why? I have no idea. <laughs> so I'm here to tell you that the school is located on top of a hill that rises above the Barren River that runs through the city of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Well, nice. Now we know. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't tell from the mascot what a hilltopper is. Because so. Big Red's just a, just kind of a just a big red kind of a blob thing. Speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, Saturday's game might, in some way, kind of be a, a bit of an offshoot from the mas- from from the mascot battle from the spring, back when uh, when COVID first hit. Uh, Sirius XM uh, College put out the uh, the mascot bracket championship and. BYU and WKU had to get their guys in on write-ins, which they did, and then they ended up facing off in the final, and, and BYU won it. And then afterward, the ADs got talking on Twitter about how fun that was, and you see Western Kentucky's AD talks about uh, maybe making something happen, you know, in terms of a, a game, since they never played a football or basketball. And Tom Holmo came back and said, yeah, look at how these mascots got the two ADs together to talk a little future fun and games and one of the games is now being played on saturday kind of a cool deal yeah cool way of that that whole thing happening and and uh, just glad that you know our fan base and and they have a passionate fan base we're able to support the mascots and look what happened we get to play football in in, in a time that we needed um, teams on our schedule so really thankful that that uh, western kentucky is bringing their team out here to play us in provo and and uh looking forward to sharing the field with them and having a good game did you catch what the uniform combo was going to be this weekend? Did you see that? Um, I saw it because it's in the locker room, so when you walk by it, I see it. But, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have a choice on the matter, but I, as, long, as long as it puts points on the scoreboard, that's all I care about. <laughs> There's the look. It looks nice. Going ghost. It's all white on Saturday night except for uh, the pink accessories. This is the, uh, the annual cancer awareness game, and so we'll see a lot of pink out there on the boys. Yeah, very, I mean, love supporting, you know, being awareness to – the awareness of breast cancer and everything and, and want to support as many people as we can, show them that we appreciate them and love them and support them. All right, late night and white on white for BYU. Well, Mondays at uh, 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific, we talk with the BYU football coordinators on the Coordinator's Corner with Jeff Grimes, Eli Satuiaki, and Ed Lamb. It's also on demand on the BYU TV app. After this short break, the players' best Halloween costumes and this week's Cougar Q&A. Plus, Kalani will answer your questions from social media. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. What a day for the Cougars in the NFL over the weekend. Daniel Sorensen, team high nine tackles, 50-yard pick six against Drew Locke in a win over the Broncos. Second straight game with an INT for Daniel. Jamal Williams starting for the Packers with Aaron Jones out due to injury and made the most of it. 100 in total, 114 scrimmage yards and the score to end the game. And Fred Warner with an INT off of Cam Newton in a Niners win over the New England Patriots. Tony Romo calling him the best linebacker in ball. 
And the Niners are making a big push for uh, Fred as their all-pro at the spot. Guys are having, not just in the NFL, making plays, big plays every weekend in the NFL. Yeah, they're big playmakers, and just give them an opportunity. Jamal just needs the ball in his hands and be on the field, and he'll make a lot of plays. He can catch, and he can run, and he can block. And we've always loved the way Fred can play. So I think he's, you know, being to be able to man the middle of the defense and be the, the shot caller there, mm-hmm. yeah, you see the, the things that he was able to do last year, taking him to the Super Bowl. Okay, BYU's game day. Next one is coming up this Saturday, and Saturday is Halloween. And while we've all been wearing masks for months, this week's Cougar Q&A explores the Halloween costumes presented by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. My favorite Halloween costume I ever had, probably when I was a little kid, my mom made me a homemade mummy costume where she just glued toilet paper to me. I dressed up as a parrot once. That's, that was my favorite because I actually caught on the news. In high school, I was uh, Team Jacob, so we dressed up as werewolves. Fifth grade, I was Big Bird. He was actually me and my best friend growing up. I was Big Bird, he was Elmo. I was Bob Marley one year. I think that was pretty fun. Uh, one year for Halloween, I was a Jedi, and that was pretty sweet. I was Star-Lord, and I had the full replica helmet. I played music for my truck. I had a baby Groot in my pocket. I had the full setup. I was Pinocchio when I was three. And I actually, my mom actually bought me like a prosthetic nose and went out like this. Um, one year I was um, Kip off the Pony Dynamite. One time when we were younger, we dressed up as uh, <laughs> Max Hall. But I think my best one was Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter. I had a little stuffed crocodile and I'd jump on it like right as they opened the door. You know, you do a couple rolls, you get extra candy, you know, put on a good show. My wife, her name's Jordan, she's she's quite short, she's like five foot, and I'm six foot six, so we had a large uh, height difference. And so last year we decided to dress up as Hagrid from Harry Potter. And uh, uh, what's that little, what's his name? Dobby? Dobby, yes. So we dressed up for Halloween as Hagrid and Dobby, and so it was just the perfect, uh, perfect costume. For the record, uh, BYU's played uh, 12 games on Halloween. Uh, back in the day, in the days of yore, they, they always lost on Halloween. They lost five in a row for, for years back in the old days. But then in the 60s, it turned around, and BYU's now won seven straight games on, on Halloween. The most recent one was Halloween uh, 1992. It's been quite a while. It was BYU and Penn State here in Provo. And uh, Ryan Hancock threw for three touchdowns. And this first pass you're going to see is completed to... Isaac Rex's dad, Byron. <laughs> and BYU won this game over then number 14, Penn State, in the rain. Remember that being a rainy day at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Good stuff. Halloween games have uh, not happened in almost 30 years for BYU, so you get one Saturday night. Yeah, eat candy and, and watch the Cougars play. It's a lot of fun. Can't beat that. All right, Q&A time now on the Sitake Show. Let's head to Twitter for this, and let's go to uh, Alan Miller, who asks, uh, was there an option to decline the pass interference penalty resulting in a Zach Wilson INT that might have been a safety last week? Uh, there was a big discussion about that. Uh, at the time, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I think yeah. that had to be the case, right? Yeah, it, it was um, take because he caught the ball, and it was a safety. He ran into the end zone, the back of the end zone, and so it would count as an interception, they would um, kick off from the 20, and then we would get the ball back, but with, with two points, you know. And I and, um, felt like Zach was making some good throws. And I, If you ask Zach, he's, he doesn't care about anything other than scoring points, and so he would have been good with it. But as a head coach, it, 
had to make the uh, executive decision, which was to keep the momentum rolling and, and uh, get, get the ball in the end zone that way and, and take the penalty. So, uh, yeah, I took the penalty and, and took the, the interception off and wanted Zach to just score. I think we got the ball around the 40-yard line anyways, and mm -hmm. it worked out. I think we scored. That's the touchdown to Keanu on fourth down, and it paid off. So I'm glad we were able to do that. Had it been later in the game, uh, maybe in... Maybe a, a different game or something yeah. like that. Yeah. In that in that circumstance, it was I think it was the right thing to do. Okay. Next question at Sota Coog on Twitter. In games like last Saturday's, uh, how do you balance uh, giving your depth players quality minutes and meaningful reps while at the same time not trying to come off as attempting to embarrass your opponent, and run up a score? What's the unspoken rule between coaches on that? Well, I think it's just it depends. You know, I, I don't like running the score up, but in the in the in the, in the game itself, but. Towards the end, when it's, it's the last couple of minutes, and you can actually kneel the ball down. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, but you know, and when you're winning, I, I think you just want to play football. And and I don't think um, otherwise we would just punt on first down, which doesn't make any sense, you know. So uh, I think we we need to throw the ball, and, and when there's a lot of time on the on, on on the clock, we have to play our offense, and we want to get our guys in there. And I think most coaches that I talk to. The majority of them understand that, you know, and, and and they leave their starters in, they're throwing the ball, and we're trying to do the same and trying to get development. I, I don't think um, it'd be fair to just put Baylor in there just to hand the ball off a bunch of times. We we need some development with all our players, and we don't expect them to just run the clock out. You know, we want them to throw and, and test our guys, and that's how Capisi was able to get the interception. That's how they were able to drive uh, 96 yards and score on us is because we wanted to give our guys that opportunity it was a great lesson for them to learn mm -hmm. you just sacrificed a bunch of yards on the stats which is uh, well worth it for me okay uh back to twitter and i know you, you've already said you don't worry too much about uniforms as long as you're scoring points in them but uh, the question to you is what is your favorite uniform combo do you have one i do i mean i i think that um now at this age you know i i like anything with with royal and black because it's slimming so <laughs> That's just I'm just being selfish with that one, but it, when you just throw Royal on there, I like it. And and but I've been really pleased with the way our guys. I mean, I didn't I didn't know much about the Navy on Navy look, and it looked really clean when the, when the team was out there. Yeah, and, I thought so too. Yeah, and so I think um, can't go wrong as long as there's there's a Y on it. I think we're good to go. Good. Uh, from at Cosmo Duck Cougar on Twitter. Uh, ooh, Coach, uh, what's the greatest sports movie ever made, in your opinion? Whew. Well, I don't think you can go wrong. I, I, I like I like the fighting stuff, so Rocky was always one that got me. But if you're talking about football, then you got to go to Rudy, and that's like it's a good story. You know what I mean? And and I don't know. I just I, I like all those ones. Are you a, remember the Titans guy? I do. I like those too. But I mean, I just I just like the 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 ones that are like you know based on a true story type of thing. Just it seems like it means more. Okay, thanks for the questions, folks, and for Kalani's answers. All right, fans, as we go to break, uh, this note, uh, join us tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, for a BYU baseball scrimmage on the BYU TV app as we get an all-access look at the 2021 team. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, 6-0 is a big deal. If you weren't one of the 6,000 in attendance, don't worry, Kiki Solano's got you covered. Watch the episode on the BYU Sports Nation social media platforms. After this break... A deeper look at the life of defensive back D'Angelo Mandel. And we are joined live by tight end Isaac Rex. This is BYU Football with Kalani Shitake. 
BYU football with Kalani Satake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. Always here for you. Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. And by Qualtrics. Well, coming into this season, D'Angelo Mandel had played in every game of the last two seasons. In 2020, he's easing his way back into the defensive backfield rotation with still plenty of time to leave his mark. But as we learn in tonight's Deep Blue, D'Angelo's life has already been marked by events that made his path to Provo all the more memorable. Deep Blue was brought to you by America First Credit Union. Oh, this is like the movies. Yes, oh, snap. just like that. Uh, yeah. Deep Blue, D'Angelo Mandel. Teammates like, like to be around him. It makes everybody laugh. So he's definitely a good guy for the team. Single ready to mingle. What? <laughs> uh, looking for that special somebody out here in Provo, Orem, anywhere in Utah. If you can't season your food, don't talk to me. Met him his freshman year as my sophomore year on the track team. Then as the season went on, he turned out to be a really standout athlete. When we were going to bigger meets, he was there. So he just kind of became more and more of a regular asset on our team. And we became really good friends after that. He was a permanent fixture here for quite a long time. After school, we'd hang out before practice, we'd get to practice, and then after practice, he'd come over for dinner. And he'd hang out until he had to be home at whatever his curfew was. You know, when the kids would come over, is just listen and throw in a few questions here and there. But with D'Angelo, I kind of knew that his situation was a little different. And I didn't, he wasn't going to be one that I could pry with. He was going to have to open up. And it would proceed from there. I grew up with my mom, like my biological mom, for most of my life. She had me when she was young. I'm not saying it was easy for her, but I just think at that time when she had me, she still wanted to live the life that a 19-year-old would want to live at that uh, point in your life. So for me, it was a little difficult because it got to the point where it was just like two roommates just living together. It wasn't like that mother-son bond that a lot of people have, especially when you're just with a single parent. So I got used to just being by myself all the time, just figuring things out for me and just enjoying alone time, I guess. And it wasn't always good because you don't learn, always learn how to deal with things the right way when you're not taught certain things and you're just secluded by yourself so much. It all kind of came out when he had some dentist problem and he needed to get his teeth fixed and his mom wasn't able to take him. And it became this whole crazy thing. And when we all realized that, you know, he wasn't getting all of the, the things he needed at home and wasn't having the care he needed, I remember in high school calling him because something was going really really wrong with him and his family and we sat on the phone all night because he was afraid to fall asleep. And him being so scared and he didn't even put his pajamas on, he left the lights on all night. We stayed on the phone all night long talking because he didn't want to fall asleep and he was scared to fall asleep and then he woke up as early as he could and we both met up at our high school campus so he could like, you know, get away and I feel so guilty that he's ever felt that way, and I can't imagine how many nights he has felt that before, that there was nobody to call, nobody to talk to. Kind of got a lot more shaky as just the, the day and week went on, and then a lot of court stuff got involved too. So I needed 
we kind of had to figure out what, what, what we were going to do from there. When I was a kid, it was just, I never had that real family feeling. Just, it was never there for me. And I kind of, I wouldn't say it, but me growing up, I envied it a lot. And that's what I really wanted. And when I finally met the Mandels and things weren't going, when they took me in, it just made everything so much better. It made my life a lot better. And honestly, it was just surprising to me, like, which is why I appreciate Adele so much, is because it was surprising how willingly she was able to take me in as if it was just like, it was nothing new. Like, she took me in as her own, treated me as her own. And like that whole family aspect that I was missing throughout my childhood is what I got from them. It just became apparent that he needed more love and more people to look out for him. And we were lucky that he wanted us to be those people. We didn't do anything special. He came into our lives and we opened up the door and he stayed. And I couldn't ask for a better person. He makes me proud every day. I'm not worried about him at all. He had every reason to not be a good kid. He had every reason to get into trouble and be a jerk or be ungrateful. And he's been an incredibly resilient person throughout his life, you know? So as much as it on the surface might have seemed like D'Angelo needed us and we're this, you know, family that took him in and whatever, it's D'Angelo's given all of us a lot more than I think that we've ever given him. And he's an incredible person and I'm really proud of him. He's a survivor. He found a way to survive with a very young parents, single parent uh, family, and um, he found a way to be successful in school, successful in track. He had some success in football, but really we recruited him for his development potential. And uh, I think some of those survival skills that, that he had learned didn't necessarily prepare him for, for college. And so he got here and changed his mind on some things and, and decided that the best thing for him was to go home. 18-year-old freshman, uh, not knowing what to expect at all. And for some reason, I just hated everything. I hated the school, hated the people. Still love football, but I just wasn't enjoying it. I just was so unhappy. And one day I was like, I'm gonna just go home. I talked to Kalani. I was like, I need to go home. This is not good for me right now. He had all of these years, 18 years or however long it was, living in a life where he felt alone a lot of the time. And he didn't have that family unit that he wanted. And so for him to just have moved in at the end of his senior year, get this whole group of people, we have a big family, so he has all these people around him, and then he goes to a completely different state with completely different people and not knowing anyone. I think it's a really hard transition for anyone, let alone someone with feeling like they have an unstable background, you know, not having the support that you've wanted your whole life and then being ripped away from anything you do have. But then you come home and you're like, do I want to work at a grocery store and push shopping carts? He loves football, regardless of anything else. He loves football. We couldn't have presented him with the same learning experience that he went and got for himself. And so credit him for, for knowing that BYU wasn't the right place for him. And then again, credit him for knowing that at a later time it was. He realized that this is the best place for him, you know, and he's done a great job being here, and being a part of our culture, being a part of our system. And, being a part of representing Jesus Christ and, and what the school is all about here, you know, our mission. So I've been really proud of him. And that's all stuff off the field, right? On the field, I've been really proud of things that he's done in improving his, his playing ability, improving his level of trust that he's gained from the, his teammates and from his coaches. And I'm just looking for him to just take off from this moment. Looking back on it, 
It's just this place hasn't changed. People haven't changed. The school, everything's the same. The issue at the time was just me. I just wasn't ready. I needed to take that year, year off and be at home and see how bad things were and just really soak everything in and understand that this is the place I need to be. This is where I want to be. After his year of not being a student athlete, when he took his year off and he was home and we saw all of that play out, he came back to school. My mom and I went to his first game. He walked onto the field and we saw him. We were so excited and we both started crying separately, not together, not looking at each other or whatever. And we were so proud. And I have five brothers, D'Angelo's one of them, and I couldn't have been more proud of him. You know, that was like the culmination of so many things. And it's the beginning of a new journey, but watching my brother walk onto the field with his jersey on, our name on the back, I like couldn't have been more proud to be his sister. And when he signed with BYU, he was known as D'Angelo Gunter. And now, of course, we see that uh, the Mandel family name is, is his identity. Great kid and uh, so proud of him. Yeah, just thank you for uh, people taking care of others. And one of the great things about these features we get is uh, I think it helps people uh, cheer for these guys in almost a different way the next time they see them play, you know. And he's one of those guys that people will feel a little closer to now, I think. Yeah, I mean, all these kids have a, have a story. And, and it, it's, uh, I appreciate Deep Blue getting to know them and, and sharing them with the fans. But um, it just, just goes to show you don't, you don't give up on people, you know. And, um, and great things are going to happen from him. It, it's not just football. There's so much to him. And he realizes that and... and I'm just really looking forward to his life. It's a great life story and uh, a great football career developing as well. Well, 30 years ago, uh, Byron Rex was among a young group of BYU tight ends looking to earn reps at the position, a position featuring All-American Chris Smith. Now, 30 years later, his son Isaac is teaming up with other young tight ends to help replace a would-be All-American in Matt Bushman. Similar stories there. And uh, we have Isaac Rex joining us live from the BYU Student Athlete Building as our player guest tonight. Hello, Isaac. Good to see you. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Hey, how many people that you run into uh, are, are aware of Dad's history that know that, you know, before Isaac there was Byron and he was a player? Um, probably everyone I talk to. <laughs> Every BYU fan I talk to, they love to bring up the Hawaii incident and the uh, you know, the, the pass against Utah. And, you know, my dad was kind of a legend here, and it was kind of cool growing up in his shadows. And But now I'm trying to make my own name. But, yeah, everyone knows my dad, and he's been a, he's been a BYU fan his whole life. So, um, yeah. We were watching uh, highlights of, a, of a, just on this show a little while ago. We were showing a play from 1992 against Penn State, and it was your dad uh, making a catch in, in that game. That was my first season on the radio broadcast crew, and here I am uh, now calling games of sons of guys that I used to cover, and you're one of those guys, Isaac, so I guess I'm getting <laughs> old, but it's really cool to see another Rex player here at BYU. Does that, uh, is that cool to be kind of a legacy guy? Well, when you think about just the tight, tight end room alone, you have Bentley Hanshaw, his dad played at BYU, Hank yeah. Tulipolotu, his dad played, Carter Wee, and... There's so many more on the team that you can name. 
uh, so many guys that have grown up BYU fans and have wanted to be part of this uh, process and follow in their dad's footsteps. And, you know, I'm just happy to be one of them. I'm happy to represent my family name. And my brother's going to do that too, coming off his mission. And we just, we've been BYU fans our whole life and we wanted nothing more than, than just to be Cougars. And it's so fun uh, trying to make plays for the, for the team and helping out the team win and making our, uh, our fathers and our moms proud. Your brother's Preston, right? What's he going to be here at BYU? You know, he can play uh, a couple different positions. He, he's good at, he's a good slot receiver. He's a good safety. Um, I feel like between those two positions, he'd be uh, the best fit, but um, he'll play whatever for the team. And he's just excited. to. He has a little bit left to go on his mission. He's only been around six months out. So, uh, but he'll come here and, make a good impact uh the more rexes the better i guess kalani yeah and, and preston's a, a little bit different body type than isaac isaac's huge i mean he's bigger than his dad um, but very soft hands great routes can block on line scrimmage and, and and can run routes and so preston's more of a, a skill guy he can play receiver and and uh, he can play safety i think he's uh, he can be a dynamic post player for us as a free safety and he's going to have to D up his brother in practices, you know, so they'll, they'll have some battles, but uh, very competitive uh, family and so much athleticism in that family. And, and I know that, uh, you know, Isaac comes from, I mean, that, that area, San Clemente has a lot of good players too. So and a lot of BYU fan support there. So it's good to have him as a legacy kid on our team. He does a great job for us. Hey, Isaac, Saturday's game had to be so much fun for you. You, can, you come into the game with, uh, with seven catches on the year. Then you have five catches against Texas State, including two more touchdowns. Uh, good night for the team and fun night for you, right? Yeah, fun night for everyone. We got our fans back. Uh, that was a huge difference, man. Even only having 6,000 fans was so fun and the energy's back. And we were creating our own energy for a while, but, you know, it's nice when you have 6,000 fans helping you. And so, uh, man, we were, we were on fire and we were just having so much fun out there. It's it's fun when you're winning and it's fun when you're playing well and it's fun when the fans are there to watch you so it was it was a definitely a cool opportunity for everyone okay first I'll ask you and then I'll ask Kalani the same thing how do you assess your 2020 season so far as a player you know I feel like I've um I feel like I've been getting better every week um I feel like you know when Matt went down it was probably the the saddest day of my life I've never cried more and you know, we're all the tight ends are just trying to fill his shoes and trying to, you know, show that we can do it. And uh, it's hard to replace a guy that, you know, has 125 catches in his career. But we're just trying to do the best for him and we're dedicating the season to him. But, you know, we're just trying to improve every week. We're trying to um, be really good at blocking and, and catching and just do anything that the team needs us to do. So I feel like, uh, as a you know, as a unit, we've just been improving every week. And what do you think he's brought to you in 2020? Isaac is 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 a dynamic player and and a great personality. Fits perfectly with that tight end room. They have so much fun that position group. And um, you know, Steve Clark does a great job coaching them. But I think Isaac's a leader, and he's only a freshman. You know, he's young. We knew we had something special in him when we signed him, um, and, and we just had to wait for him to finish his mission in Samoa when he served. And now that he's here, he's a leader as a young young kid for us, and a lot of years and a lot of touchdowns to make. But uh, he, he's big; he, he can he can block, he can do all of it, and I think he's going to be a, a big time name. And 
uh, just like his dad was. Isaac, you mentioned Matt, and, and we see visible reminders of, of Matt Bushman and how you get ready to play a game. You, you've had his number uh, on your arm. Uh, how much have you guys as a group still been able to kind of keep in touch with, uh, with Matt? We know he's busy as a new dad right now, but uh, how, how much is he still part of your room uh, in your hearts, if not always there with you? So Matt, um, yeah, he obviously, he's a father now and he's spending a lot of time with his little daughter, but we still have group chats and he comes around the facility every once in a while and says what's up to us. And he's at every game. So Matt's still in a huge part in this, uh, this whole season. And he's helping us so much, whether it's specific plays or just coaching us or giving us confidence, Matt is there and he's helping us so much. He's, uh, honestly a role model for all of us. And we, we're a, we're a really young group, but man, we looked up to Matt so much and he's helped us in many ways, even though he's not on the field with us, he's, he's helping us in many more other ways. And, uh, we love him and we pray for him every day and he's going to have a great career in the future. I want, to, I want to take you back to your first touchdown catch here at BYU and a couple of memorable things came out of it. Uh, one was, was the end zone dance. You said you took some flack for it. I don't know why. I thought it was awesome. Uh, and, and then uh, giving the ref five instead of the football was pretty cool, too, I thought. And then people started comparing you and Kalani's moves here. Uh, who, who, you know, who wore it better? Who did it better here in this one here? Well, that's Kalani's move right there. He told us all about the cabbage patch. That's an old 80s move, apparently, that, that he wanted to show all the, the young kids about. And, and I do it in the end zone. Everyone uh, gives me, you know gives me heat for it and even though I'm just trying to follow my coach's guidance but I feel like you know he's had a lot more practice so he probably gets it uh <laughs> he probably gets the win on that one he's he probably got it got me on there well uh, once I practice a little bit more I'll I'll, I'll get him in the future <laughs> I loved it and I love the fact that you're doing it in the end zone which is where we want to see you a whole lot during your BYU career Isaac uh thank you for coming on tonight and as always we're going to let Kalani have the last word and uh and thank you for your time well, Isaac, first of all, his, his rhythm and his moves and his dancing come from his Polynesian heritage. So uh, we got to yes. give it to his, his ethnicity there and his, and his genes. So uh, other than that, Thank just don't, don't dance in the end zone. You know, you can do it on the sideline. <laughs> so love you, Isaac. Yeah. Love you so. Uh, love you, too. <laughs> love right, you, thanks, so. Thanks a lot. Have, have a good night, up. Isaac. Appreciate it. Isaac Rex with us this evening. Fans, you can break down Cougar football with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon each week on After Further Review at 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app on Tuesday nights. As we go to break, here's this week's trivia question presented by Qualtrics. We're in a tight end frame of mind right now. So who's BYU's all-time leader in tight end touchdown receptions? We'll tell you after this break. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Here's our trivia question for tonight. Who is BYU's all-time leader in tight end touchdown receptions? And the answer here is Gordon Hudson. Most of them coming from Steve Young back in the day. All right, it is time for a little feature that we here on the show call, in case you missed it, because it features things that you might have missed. So let's get to them, <laughs> shall we? All right, so apparently the thing these days is to... Uh, it used to be told, you know, don't don't feel the punt inside your 10. But now we've seen guys field punts at, like, the 2, and then guys take punts in the end zone, and that does, usually doesn't work out too well. No, but, I mean, we, we these drives, they scored on us on these two drives, this one and the Houston one. So we got to do a better job defensively 
when uh, you know our big time kicker pins him deep and Rico kicks the ball so it's a little bit deceiving. He kicks it where, where it drifts a little bit on you and I think that's the problem that returners are having against him. Okay, so that's, uh, that's fun with punt return. Now we have sometimes you need only one hand to get rid of a guy in blocking. Kyrus Tonga takes tight end Jackson Lanneman like just one hand into the ground. He's one of the strongest guys in college football and so you know, we expect him to be a, a force up there and we missed him last week and it's good to have him back. All right. She used to work with uh, Dave Rose back in the day. Her name was Aubrey Reeves. She's a big-time BYU fan, and she uh, she got on the uh, the Step Brothers meme using the faces of Zach Wilson and Dax Milne in place of the characters played by John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. And then we had Joe Theismann getting involved on the Zach Wilson bandwagon, talking about his excellent arm strength, terrific touch, and is really accurate. He's just fun to watch. And that coming from Joe Theismann. BYU ran the play called Chiefs. And then the Chiefs responded, well, do you call your one-handed interceptions Dirty Dan because of Dan Sorensen's one-handed INT of Josh Allen in the previous week? We will from now on. <laughs> Let's not forget about this, Kalani. You guys may be involved with this in a very safe and socially distanced and, uh, and, and appropriate way on Thursday night. Trunk or treat, we're getting close to Halloween. Yeah, I think all the athletic, uh, athletic teams are going to be there and represent uh, you know, with their costumes and Looking forward to seeing our, our fans and any chance we can to give out candy to kids. That's, that's the best way to do it and safest way right now. I was, I was glad we got a shot of you and me during Halloween a couple years ago on the show. That was kind of fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday, 8.30 Eastern. For Isaac Rex and the coach, Kalani Sitake, my name is Greg Rubel. And this has been BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. Have a great week. Enjoy the game on the weekend. And go Cougs. Go Cougs. <laughs>